0: the incomparable podcast number 74 january 2012
1: welcome back to the incomparable podcast i am your host jason snell our topic today is movies for kids Um, kids movies we love and joining me today are my guests lex friedman hi lex
2: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. You have children.
2: I do. I have three.
1: And you were once a child yourself, were you not?
2: As I recall, I was.
1: Okay, good. Thank you. No further questions for now. Another guest, John Syracusa. Hi, John.
2: Hello, Jason.
1: I made it. You made it. It's good to have you here. You have two children. I do. And also were once a child yourself? That's what they tell me. Oh, that's right. Are there do- Is there documentation for this? It's
0: just a couple polaroids, and That's it.
1: All right. Fair enough. We'll take that. That's, that's physical evidence. So I guess we should start with, let's start with the rules, right? We got a list of, of things we have to talk about. We have to talk about what uh, a kid's movie is and uh, how we define that. And then we also have some movies that we're not going to talk about because we've covered them before, or we might be covering in, in the near future. So um, to start I think we should talk about what a kid's movie is. I mean, I I define this as um, movies that I would like to watch with my kids uh, that I think are of good quality that I enjoy watching, but that they also enjoy watching. I I, I tried to steer away from movies that the kids don't like or things that I find appalling that my children do like because I would like uh, I would like it to be a family experience where everybody finds something that they value. Um, Does that sound about right? What do you how would you guys define this?
0: It's interesting that you said that because, you know, we, we did not speak about this before the show. And my definition was going to be, interestingly, almost exactly the same. Like, before I had kids, I would have had one definition of a kid's movie. But now my definition of a kid's movie is basically a movie that I want to show my children. It's something that, of course, I think they'll enjoy. that won't be too intense for them or whatever. But also a good quality movie. Like, you know, I think my kids need to see this movie because it's not just some trashy thing that they'll like. Like, you know, I don't know what your examples of horrible things that children do like, but that you think as an adult are horrible. These are the movies that I want to show them. So that's, yeah, that's, that's basically my definition of a kid's movie today is something that I really want my kids to see and you hope that they like it and enjoy it.
2: I would only add uh, to piggyback there that it's, it's gotta be something that I'm willing to have them watch multiple times and quote and reference all the time (laughs) because my kids, if they really like a movie, will ask to see it repeatedly. So it's gotta be something that I think will withstand repeat viewings for my own sanity uh, in addition to their enjoyment.
0: Yeah, and the definition for, like, when I was a kid, that's there's a lot of overlap with that, but so pre-children, I would have said, what's a kid's movie? I would say, well, there, it would be a movie that I have fond memories of seeing as a child, and there's a big overlap with that. Usually, if there's some movie that I liked as a kid, I it's something that I want to show my children, but there are exceptions of, you know, things that I may have fond memories of as a kid, but now, as an adult, either when I re- re-watch it or even without rewatching, watching it, I know, you know, in hindsight, that was just garbage and really has no redeeming value and i see no reason to expose my kids to it
1: right not a not a movie but the, i call that the scooby-doo factor i watched a lot of scooby-doo when i was a kid and i saw an episode uh, you know five years ago ten years ago and was absolutely appalled at how awful it was on all fronts the everything about it was awful and i, I now think there's some stuff that i don't even want to see from my childhood because i hold it in in such high regard in my memory and i know that if i look back on it it's going to be terrible <laughs> some
0: things are, are better left to the memories of your yeah. childhood.
1: All right, so we should also talk, I, I think we've got a pretty good uh, working definition of uh, what we're calling uh, a kid's movie. Um, we should talk about things that we have already talked about. We have done a couple of podcasts about Pixar, although there's uh, there, there's probably more we could say about it, and maybe we will when the next Pixar film comes out. Uh, but we're not going to talk about Pixar movies tonight because... Um, I we could this could just turn into another Pixar podcast if we did that. So suffice it to say, I think, gentlemen, that um, Pixar movies are good in, in large part, and uh, and uh, we're just going to cite that and say yes, they are. And and you can listen to our two podcasts about Pixar if you'd like to hear more.
2: Right, were the Pixar limitation not in place, my selection tonight would certainly be a Pixar movie.
0: Right, and all the good things we said about Pixar on that Pixar episode assume that they all apply also to children because pretty much all those movies are suitable for children and. Pretty much suitable for children of all ages and all temperaments with the possible exception of like maybe The Incredibles and maybe Monsters, Inc. for kids who are afraid of monsters.
1: Right. As some kids are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also going to say we're not going to talk about Star Wars, even though we've talked about the Star Wars movies a lot. And I think kids enjoy them and adults enjoy them. But we've talked about it at length. So we won't talk about them. It's and we'll clear. continue to
0: do so in future podcasts. And
1: we will. Yes. Yes. At least Return of the Jedi. I'm not quite sure what happens after that. But, <laughs> but yes, we will talk more about Star Wars. Um, and let's see, what else? We did an episode about The Princess Bride. So I, even though I think that that's a movie that kids and, and parents can watch and enjoy at their own levels, um, we already talked about it. So we shouldn't bring it up again other than right now. Agreed? Agreed. All right. Um, and what does that leave us with? Uh, Miyazaki. Um, one of the things I wanted to do actually was talk about uh, Kiki's delivery service for this episode. And John said, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. We should do a whole episode about Miyazaki. And I, uh, he convinced me we should do that. And so we will do that. We could and, do a whole
0: episode just on Kiki's delivery uh, service as could. far as I'm concerned. But that may be a little bit too intense for even the biggest. <laughs> so, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we will. We, we, yes, we'll do some Miyazaki in the future. So we're going to take the Miyazaki stuff off the table. Um, but yes, John, John, and I could probably do a a, a couple hours about Ki's delivery service. So and and Totoro possibly too. So we'll we'll leave that for for a future podcast. So now that we've talked about what we're not going to talk about and the subject matter, I guess we should go around and talk about some kids' movies we love. We've gotten to the heart of it lex tell me about tell me your selection
2: sure well i'm gonna i'm gonna lead in with some that failed to make the cut very briefly i for a while flight of the navigator was my my top choice flight of the navigator being one of my early introductions to time travel it was that and back to the future which we've also done an episode about but uh flight of the navigator involves a boy who wakes up and it's five or so years in the future from when he went to sleep and He's reunited with his family and they have to understand what happened. And Paul Rubens is in the movie. Well, he's a voice in the movie and it's a live action movie with a robotic voice involved. And it's, I mean, it blew my mind as a kid. My problem is it's still good on repeat viewings, but it is very dated visually and dialogue ishly and it, it doesn't hold up very well so i decided my kids would not have the patience to sit through all the flight of the navigator i would have picked the princess bride but rules precluded me from doing so and i gave heavy thought my most controversial rejection i think to uh, galaxy quest which was originally conceived as an r movie the tim allen sigourney weaver star trek sort of parody movie um but they decided it would do better as a family movie and edited it down to a PG thing. And you can even see the mouth saying very bad words when the audio was dubbed in saying much nicer words instead. But uh, I decided that since it's, you know, it's a family movie and not as much of a kid's movie that it, it didn't deserve to be here. So that preface in mind, I went with, uh, since I couldn't choose Pixar, I choose the the next best thing. I went with Shrek. I think that DreamWorks does a lot of mediocre at best kids animated movies of that sort but i feel like the original shrek the first one and the first one only they really sort of nailed a a unique niche of parodying the stories the kids are very familiar with by this time really making still very lovable characters having a very good sort of moral and having a great pixar-esque two-tiered storyline where things are really geared for and very understandable and very uh, clear to kids, you know, what's happening, who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, and what to root for. But at the same time, being very entertaining to parents who are watching as well.
1: Hmm. Shrek, I have ske- I'm i a little skeptical.
0: Okay. We're all, we're all Pixar snobs here, so we're already looking down our nose at your selection of Shrek because <laughs> it's like, oh, well, wow, you know, it was good for a DreamWorks movie.
2: It, see, but where I think that, that uh, DreamWorks really succeeded with Shrek was that it was they could get away with not being as good as Pixar because in many ways it was parodying a lot of what Pixar is all about. You know, you know, they, they had a Disney esque place to parody. Um, and they, they, you know, they had these characters who were anything but lovable. You know, Shrek is literally an ogre, uh, and his love interest turns into one as well. Spoiler alert. Uh, but, um, I mean, I think it's probably Eddie Murphy's best work since the 1980s in his role as the donkey. Um, and you know, it's Mike Myers is, I I like Mike Myers more in the early nineties than I did when he did this movie, which came out in 2001. And he was actually, as you may know, filling in for Chris Farley, who had already started recording the role of Shrek, but then died during the process and had to be replaced but i think mike myers does a very good job he gives a lot of heart and emotion to shrek i think cameron diaz does a good job and i the reason that i think it's i, I mean i agree with you if, if i could pick a pixar movie i think i would have picked monsters inc which i think is one of the best movies ever made but um shrek can get away like i said with being a little bit on the you know maybe not quite as good or as quite as polished as your typical pixar film would be because of its sense of humor it's a very different sense of humor from every other uh, uh, every other DreamWorks movie and it's a very different sense of humor from what Pixar usually goes for. It's got a, a different kind of heart and it's, it's aware of its own faults and it's proud of them. And it's o it, it, it doesn't mind. And I, I don't know, I really feel like the storytelling in Shrek is very well paced. The characters are very fun to get into the, the, you know, the scary characters, Lord Farquaad, John Lithgow's voice uh, being one, uh, aren't very, intimidating every any character that could scare you they've done something to make it not scary you know lord Farquaad being very small and ridiculous for one and uh it's and you know the dragon that you think maybe you're supposed to be scared of turns out to be really nice and falls in love with the donkey so i to me what makes it work so nicely is that for kids you know my kids especially my oldest is five and she gets terrified of everything you know if there's a witch in an episode of dory the explorer she runs from the room but she can get through shrek uh, without panicking because of its sense of humor and the way it treats its scary moments and she loves the funny moments and there's slapstick and there's thinking humor and there's really funny setups and confusion and all sorts of things that I feel like are really very well paced and very well structured for uh, kids enjoyment.
0: Do you find they pick up on the cultural references? Not, It's not nearly as bad as, for example, uh, Robin Williams in Aladdin. But there are a lot of jokes and gags in shrek that are of their time sort of does the, do you find your kids missing that or does if they miss it it doesn't take away from the movie
2: it's it's the latter one they're definitely missing it i mean there's there's jokes that certainly go over your head their heads when they're watching shrek and they just have you know no idea that they don't even recognize that they're missing something it's it's the nice thing is the references aren't done in a way that leave you confused about what am i missing right now you just have no idea that there's even a reference being made i think that's even true on the you know with with pixar films where you know there's there's when there's any joke that's for the adults you don't realize that you're missing the joke if you're the kid you just are continuing to be entertained by the parts that appeal to you
0: but it's not like cultural references like where robin williams is doing uh you know uh what's his name william f buckley yeah yeah or or even or even uh uh, whatever really big show what's that guy's name ed sullivan yeah when he's doing that impression i mean i didn't you know I barely knew who Ed Sullivan was. There's like my history three <laughs> classes I saw when I was older. Certainly, right. the kids these days have no idea what that impression See,
1: is. See, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, the little kids, they're it's going to sail right over their heads. My concern always with the Shrek movies um, it, is that those, like with Aladdin, they are making – it feels like there's a freshness date on the movie. And I, I remember at the time thinking, really, is this the right way to do this? Because Pixar always – and we mentioned this in our Pixar podcast – always seems to be shooting for a, a timeless classic and trying to – trying to have it be something that in 10 or 15 years, it won't seem dated. And with Shrek, they, you know, and I I think Jeffrey Katzenberg has something to do with this. He was behind Aladdin when he was at Disney and obviously was one of the the three founders of DreamWorks. Um, I felt like with Shrek, that same feeling of like, well, we're going to be current. We're going to go in the theater with topical references. And I don't think kids are going to be confused by it. But personally, I look at that movie and think... Wow, that's, you know, that this movie's going to date rapidly. And I you know, I should actually go back and watch Shrek, I think, which cuz it is a good movie. Um and I wonder how I'd feel now about,
2: you know, 10-year-old topical references. Yeah, I mean, I I really feel like, you know, there's
1: uh, also Smash Mouth.
2: Yes, you know, it's got Smash Mouth. It's got All Star, which every I believe every movie in 2001 was congratulated obligated to include yeah. but um you know, i i believe it holds up well you know i i only learned you know when i was prepping for this show i was reading a little bit about it and i only learned now that the Farquad character was meant to be a caricature of michael eisner the then disney's ceo um i mean i knew at the time that <laughs> Farquad was you know, and I think, you know, certainly my kids miss this Farquad itself is a word or a name that sounds like it's very borderline vulgar or crass, uh, which certainly my kids don't get. And I, I didn't get it at the time and I, it took me till reading, you know, earlier this week that, uh, it was that Michael Eisner reference. And I feel like all the, all the other references that are a little bit dated now, um, they don't phase me and I don't think they phase my kids at all, um, it's 'cause, cuz you know they get references that are built in just for them like you know my 5-year-old again pointed out that the story of Shrek and Fiona is very Beauty and the Beast ask only flipped oh, yeah. around right yeah. and well uh, and
1: that's you you mentioned something about about uh, what Shrek is parodying it's not really parodying Pixar it's parodying Disney movies and right. and, and does a great job of that and and uh, and those are classics and so parodying these classics is that that's my favorite stuff in this movie is when it's really taking on the, um, you know, sort of overly prissy, um, Disney movies, I, I think really it's t- attacking the Disney attitude about its movies from the past and saying, oh, these are classics and we love them and tweaking that a little bit uh, or a lot. Um, but I love that part of this movie. I,
2: I would even argue it's broader. I don't feel, I mean, I think you're right. It's certainly the number one target is Disney movies, but I feel like it's all of fairy tale land. You know, it's it's all children's stories and children's movies here. It, it, I think my favorite scene remains, you know, when um, Fiona is singing and <laughs> I don't even want to ruin the scene now and the movie is 10 years old. You know, Fiona Birds. is singing these high-pitched music and causes, I believe it's a bird, if memory serves properly, to uh, explode, explode because she's yes. singing so high. Yeah. <laughs> I love that joke. I think that joke works on many levels. And
1: that's right out of what? Is that Snow White? That's Right. Yeah,
0: It's it's like culturally relevant to children because usually the first movies we show very young children are the ones that are kind of prissy and, and gentle and not scary so a lot of those are the very early disney movies uh and then when the kids get a little bit older if you show them the shrek it's relevant to them because for their entire life up to that point they had been read these stories and now it's skewering it's it, you know it's like it's like a twist for them like oh wow skewering fairy tales you know i thought they just wore fairy tales and now obviously there's the the i the concept of turning something on its ear you know uh, and the other thing i think that, that that kids really like about shrek is that uh it's just you know the same thing we got out of maybe Tom and Jerry or just slapstick kids love slapstick yes. and there can be like, you know, hollow slapstick. That's not really of any value, but if you can put good slapstick in a movie with kind of a point and, you know, and, and a lesson, it's not, you know, Shrek has that going for it amidst all the pop culture references and everything. So
1: I, I want to um, say something about uh, what they do with princess Fiona, which I really like is in, in terms of turning the fairy tale, And the images of the fairy tale on its head, she starts out, and I mean, it's Cameron Diaz's voice, she starts out as this pretty princess, pretty pink princess, basically, um, and turns into an ogre and stays as an ogre, right? And stays with Shrek. And in terms of, you know, because she starts as a little pretty thing and she turns into an ogre and she's big, and fat yeah and, she's, not a, she's not a sexy cameron
0: diaz ogre she's exactly. not cameron diaz and green
1: and that's her being herself and that's how she remains and i love that that's yes. what happens in this movie to turn around the whole kind of oh all the pretty all the pretty supermodel skinny princesses with their blonde hair and you know and and fiona you know ends up becoming embracing her life as as an ogre in her in her body that is you know big and Clumsy and 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 hers, and it's who she is.
0: Perhaps the bravest artistic choice ever made by
2: DreamWorks. To date. <laughs> I, I will say the one the one reason that I you know I, I really do like the movie, and I think it it does it withstand the test of time. I think it even still looks good today. Um, the one reason that I was hesitant was it has several instances of very much geared towards adults or I guess teenager humor where it's we're leading into more adult than i think it needs to go there's a line when uh shrek and the donkey first see lord Farquaad's castle and shrek says you think he's compensating for something and you know kids probably think well lord farquad is short <laughs> so they're talking about whether yeah. he's short but you know, that's that's an adult joke and there's s- multiple uh occurrences and I, I i like these jokes i just i feel like the movie could have done without them and maybe been sweeter for it i think where... that, i
1: think that compensating joke is a perfect example of a double meaning though where you can read it as the innocent way and that's fine
2: right right well i was gonna say you know but there's there's a couple instances where they especially with rhyming they lead into where you think they're going to say something naughty and then don't you know uh there's the uh disney style song when you first get to to the the castle where they watch that little uh video where they're singing you know please keep off the grass shine your shoes wipe your face um And there's another Uh, one where there's a line where you think they're going to say that somebody likes to get laid to rhyme with the word made, but they actually end up saying that he likes to get paid, but with a little pause there first. And my kids don't get those jokes, but, you know, one day they'll get those jokes and then a movie that was sweeter and innocent will be slightly less sweet and slightly less innocent. I don't think it's, I don't think it's terrible, but it was the one element that gave me pause before I endorse it. But I stand by my endorsement of Shrek. It's really good. You should watch it again.
1: All right. Um. In a previous podcast I didn't even mention this when we were listing all the rules and conditions and terms that preceded this uh this podcast. I mentioned in our superhero episode um DreamWorks' movie Megamind, Mind, which not for me to have the incomparable praise um Will Farrell movies, but um <laughs> I really like Mega Mind. I think it's uh you know, it's not the incredibles, but what is, but I, I actually think it's a very good movie and it's the DreamWorks animated movie that I have liked the best. Um and uh, in that, it's maybe not as brave a choice, but the fact that they cast Brad Pitt as Superman and make him not even the villain, but make him a coward, um, I think is kind of great. Um, anyway, so good choice, Lex. Thank you. Thank you. John, you're up.
0: Uh, so my choice is The never ending Story. This is a little bit of an older kids movie, if I think about when I showed it to my kids. And when I'm thinking of things I want my children to see, it's like the same criteria I said before. So it's something that I loved as a kid, something that I think has redeeming value. But the third category is something that I think will, like, bring them into the next stage of emotional development or whatever. So obviously when the kids are very young, you're showing them only very gentle rated G movies. You don't want them to be scared. You're trying to figure out what your kid is like. Is this the type of kid who is going to... Run screaming from the room uh the moment something scary comes on the screen. you're So as the kids get older, you start to get a feel for what they can handle. And the never ending story for me, I saw it when I was much older than than when I showed it to, to my children. But I remember just being it being like the the most emotionally wrenching movie I had seen to date because apparently I had only been exposed to I guess Star Wars probably would have been worse. But that was just so ingrained in my psyche that it wasn't like uh I don't know. I, I'd seen it so many times, that it, you know. I I couldn't really remember what those scenes did to me in the same way, but the never ending story. It's like, Oh, it's going to be like a fairy tale and we're going to see, you know, princesses. And this is like a boy and a horse. You don't know anything about what the movie's going to be like before you go into it when you're a kid and the stuff that happens in that movie, like it, it's not, it's not the wire. Okay. It's not, it's not gritty drama or whatever, but for a kid's movie, it's very, very intense. Uh, and and that's that's what sticks with me about the movie and i wanted to show it to my children to see, to sort of open up that world of deeper emotions associated with movies uh where there's not there's not slapstick uh it's not the hero is not protected by by the magic script and everything turns out okay for them and you know like it's it's more of a movie with an arc and at the same time i think it's great for kids because it's got you know Monsters and and fairies and magic and uh, and 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 the framing story of a boy of a similar age, you know, and all that stuff. Uh, so really, I was showing it to my son who was it was seven. My daughter is is a tough cookie and she wants to see everything that he sees, and she's not really scared by stuff. But I think I think a lot of it was was lost on her. But for a seven year old boy, I think it's about the right age, as long as they're not going to be too scared by this type of thing to expose him to this movie. And and the real test the what the, the the part where I was watching. I do this when, when I'm showing movies to my kids. I'll I'll watch the movie with them, but at a certain point, I'm not watching the movie. I'm watching them to see what their little faces do. And, you know, sometimes, obviously, if, if my daughter leaves the room, she's either bored or scared, or if, or if she wants to curl up with me or whatever. My son is kind of past the age where he, he'll curl up. He's got a little bit of a macho thing going, uh, but you can see it on his little face. So the scene I always think about, uh, and when I was watching uh, them watch this movie, was when the horse Artex starts to sink in the what is the name of that the the swamps of sadness or something like that where when as you get more sad that the the swamp follows you and the only way the hero can stay above is by by keeping himself from being sad, but eventually they've been wandering through the swamp for so long that the horse starts to lose heart and the horse starts to sink and pretty much in every movie these kids had seen up to that point when you have a scene like this where you know environment or monster is about to eat the beloved you know, pet or horse, especially with animals. It's almost, it seems like it's almost easier in kids' movies to off a bunch of kids or they get eaten by monsters, but never the pets, right? So the horse starts to sink, and, oh, no, you got to keep trying, Artex, you got you got to believe, or whatever. Eventually the horse gets out, and there's a triumph of music plays after the sad music, and, yes, you rescued the horse and wasn't that close. In this one, no, the horse sinks. He sinks under the mud, and the kid is left sitting there covered in mud, and his <laughs> favorite little horse is now dead. And that, like, that's a turning point. I, I felt like that was a turning point in my childhood that, like, the, the horse is gone. No, he's huh. going to come out of that mud, right? No? No, he's gone. I mean, obviously, they have the big turnaround at the end where the entire world's reconstructed, and that, that's all fits within, within you know. So it's not, it's not a downer movie for kids, but there are so many parts of this movie that are like that, that uh, the hero in this movie doesn't do well in many of the hero type things in both the framing story and and in the, in the major story things go very badly and not badly in a way that you think can be recovered and by the end of the movie it's just like little rocks floating in space and everybody's depressed and everything uh so, jesus
1: grandpa why are you reading <laughs> me this thing yeah I was like princess bride.
0: <laughs> princess bride sort of goes like that but it's more slap. it's kind of like you're talking about how shrek makes it so the scary characters aren't that scary by sort of undercutting them with humor right uh this is like the first, like the first step beyond that. Where you know, where you're gonna say, no, we're actually not gonna undercut this for you. You know, like stepping up the ladder of of uh, of you know movies that you might watch. Because I feel like you have to see a movie like this before you're exposed to. I don't know, like like a PG. I can't I can't think of a good example, but yeah. this movie is a definitely a kids movie. It's for kids. There's stuff in it for kids. It's it's aimed at that age group, but but it pushes the kids. And if you if you were to show a kid, if you go to right from like a Disney-friendly movie to one of those movies that's supposed to have dramatic things happen and that sad things happen, I don't know if they would make the transition or it would just like bounce off them or they would reject it or whatever. And this is just a great bridge movie into the larger world of movies where actual dramatic things happen.
1: I have never seen this movie.
0: <laughs> never, oh my God! You need to see this movie now. See, in this, in rewatching, I,
2: I must admit I have only seen some of the Neverend. Oh
0: my God! I thought this was one of these movies that, like, every, is that why you didn't do the Holiday uh, Christmas Story in the Holiday Movie because you've never seen it, Jason? It's okay. I have seen that. You, you can talk about it. I've seen that. So uh, once what, what, what I will say, what I will say on on rewatching this movie because the the, the memories of this movie loomed very very large in my head, uh, and so rewatching it with my kids was the first time I had watched it. I don't know decades a long long time and it had it it held up pretty well but it did have that uh that thing that most kids movies that you haven't seen in a while have is that a you don't realize how short it is like that there's like five scenes you know it's like this happens that happens that happens, and, the, and you're just like wow that seems so much longer like the arc and the journey of this hero seemed like so much more arduous and really it's like you know it's 20 minutes of film right because when you're a kid <laughs> the time expands and you feel like the movie's longer so the movie is shorter than you think and I was also worried about the effects because it's all—I don't know what year was this movie made? uh 1984. So it's it's all latex, and there's not even any green screen. It's just latex and strings, and maybe there is a little bit of green
2: screen at one point. So uh, that's what I was going to ask: is that I feel like the effects w- would appear dated to
0: yeah, a bit? The, the effects are dated, but the movie doesn't hinge on them. Especially, I, I would say. The parts that really work for me, like, are for example, the horse in the swamp, it's a real horse, okay? So that, that works fine. It's real mud. It's real, you know, physical effects everywhere. And even the bit where, at one point... I can't believe I just ruined the horse dying for Jason. Man, well, <laughs> your, your kids will get it.
1: <laughs> the hosting is dangerous duty, John. I, I, I'll take the bullets.
0: All right. And, and at one point... uh the hero is is climbing on top of a giant beast which i'm sure is like a model or a miniature or some sort of compositing must have been done there but but it's a practical effect you know with some with some it's all in camera or maybe some optical compositing but it it comes off really well now the things that don't come off well is obviously the budget was low the sets are small a lot of the times they're they're inside a studio and they have to make it look like it's outside and it's clearly inside and it looks kind of like a, a bad tv show on pbs with a bunch of people wearing rubber latex stuff but that's just not what the movie is about, and like so many of these things, kids seriously can't tell. I mean, uh, getting back to a uh, another long-standing topic that we should do a show about eventually, but like video games, when I show my children very old video games, they they honestly a cannot distinguish, and b even when pressed, can't tell you which game looked better or looked fancier or is newer or anything like that. They just they just simply don't see it. So. The effects in this are dated, but I still highly, highly recommend it. And Jason, yes, I can't believe. Right. It. Well, you're probably too old to 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 get the magic of this movie. And you, I can you,
1: show it to my kids.
0: It may be too intense for your your younger child, but all right, uh, give give it a watch by yourself. You may have to get into that childlike mindset right. to get over the fact that it seems like you know it's like ninety minutes long or whatever it is. It's there's not much there, but trust me, when you're a kid, there's a lot there.
1: All right. No, I'll I'll watch it. I'm up for that. I'll put it on the list. The never-ending story.
2: How, how do you feel about the sequel, by the way?
0: Oh, no. The sequels, it's kind of like Star Wars. Those those other movies just don't – just pretend they but, do not exist. Understood.
2: <laughs> I, I just always think of um, uh, the uh, attorney, uh, uh, John Lutz, Lutz on The Simpsons, when he says, you know, this will be the biggest class uh, case Lionel of false Huts. advertising. Lionel Hutz, thank you. This will be the biggest case of false advertising since the never-ending ender- never story and the never-ending story part two. That's – that's what I always yeah, think of. I, I don't think
0: have. I ever even got through the Neverending Story. Poudreaux. I think I started watching the Neverending Story Part Two and, and watched it like whatever year it came out and was just disgusted by it and said, F- "No, forget it." No. And if there are more movies,
1: it came out six years later and was. It sounds like the the adaptation of this book was a complete disaster business wise, and he sued because he thought that the movie was not enough like his book, and you know, there's a whole you can read it all on Wikipedia. But I yeah, think, I know I, judge I never the had movie to... as the movie.
0: I read it, never had any knowledge of the book and all I know is the second movie was so awful that even whatever age I was at that time I just could not watch it and um, I you know wrote it off.
1: Hey it's very impressive that something called the Neverending Story actually runs 90 minutes. That's
0: Well it does. See it doesn't actually. I don't want to ruin it. Okay. All right. <laughs> there is a point to the story which i my my children quiz me on this too at the end of the thing they're like well why was it called the never-ending story i had to explain it to them hopefully Um, i won't have i won't have to explain it to you jason
1: it all has to do with a dead horse (laughs) rather than than beating a dead horse let's move on um i am going to talk about well maybe we'll do a second round here um or a, a quick a quick second round but first let me talk about boy i have three good movies um oh boy i'm gonna talk about the iron giant um a a uh strange uh lost movie for i think it's now being recognized as a classic but it didn't really do well when it came out Um uh, written and directed by brad bird you may have heard of him he <laughs> he he went on to do the incredibles and ratatouille and uh and mission impossible Four, i guess right john yeah, but just saw that today, it was no incredible I'll tell you that. Well, but what is? Again, um, the Iron Giant uh, is a traditional hand-drawn cell animation, uh, animated feature, um, voice, uh, I don't know who the, ki- the voice of the kid is, his mom is Jennifer Aniston, his uh, buddy is, uh, is Harry Connick, um, and the voice of the Iron Giant is Vin Diesel, <laughs> unrecognizable basically as the iron giant and it's just it's set in the 50s in the uh, height of the cold war and an alien robot that uh, alien robot killing machine crashes to earth and is essentially taken in by a, a kid who learns who hides him in his barn and learns how to uh how to feed him metal scraps in order to uh in order to keep him alive and um and it's just it's an incredibly sweet story it's got some scary parts where the uh the, where the kid discovers the giant this kid hogarth hogarth as the uh giant says and it's and the army there's a there's a a, a really awful kind of uh slimy government man Who's uh, God? Who, who's the actor who plays them? Christopher Maybe, McDonald. Christopher McDonald, who does a great job playing slimy guys in general, and does a, a a fantastic job playing the the government man who comes. And John Mahoney is is the army general. He kind of dupes into 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 believing that there's a giant there, a giant robot there, which turns out there is a giant robot there. <laughs> um, and th- so then the army is called in, and they're going to destroy the the robot, and they're going to, and it gets dark. They're going to the U.S. Um, army is going to nuke this seaside town in Maine in order to protect the rest of the country from this robot who is not threatening anybody. Um, And, uh, and so the robot has to save the day and, and it's just, uh, and there's a, there are references to Superman and, and the robot has aspirations. The robot is a killing machine that is rethinking its programming. So there's kind of an anti-war message and how even, even people with weapons or robots who are weapons can choose not to use them which um actually made me think a little bit of war games when i when I watched it. It seems like it's got a simple it's a it's a an anti war movie about weapons um anyway i i think it's a fantastic movie that is overlooked because it, it you know it's not a disney movie it's not a Pixar movie. it kind of fell through the cracks and and uh and yet anybody who loved uh pixar movies including including the movies. Um, by Brad Bird, um, really should check out the Iron Giant. I I do believe that it is an animation classic that um just is not as widely known as it should be because it was released by Warner Brothers. I think and kind of sunk beneath the sea
2: uh, when it was initially released. But it, it is it has become a classic. What kind of animation is it? Is it computer animated? Or no, no.
1: It's hot? cell. It's cell hand drawn cell animation. Traditional Although I was animation. going to talk about the, the Iron
0: Giant is CG though, so. That's one of is one of the first movies to use computer graphics in a in a cell drawn movie. So they don't ma- it doesn't he look C- CG. He's CG right? it, it, in
1: the same way that a lot of the Futurama stuff in, in Futurama yeah. CG. It's a CG. It's three D animation affecting a two D look. Exactly. Yeah, and that was one of the first
0: movies to do that, and I think it works extremely well because they chose to do all the humans obviously in hand drawings and all the backdrops more or less. It, sometimes they do vehicles and roads and camera pans with some three D matting stuff but then the iron giant is always 3d and so he looks like the other uh, and the, the big imposing thing um and it, and it gives it's kind of like why they use 3d in futurama and stuff so, so to draw in traditional animation things with the sweeping cinematic camera moves that we're used to nowadays it's very very difficult to draw that in a way that uh that, that you keep the perspective exactly right and that things don't look like they stutter or become misshapen. Whereas if you do the three D model, you know, swing the camera around all you want, do the whatever dramatic things, and they take advantage of that in that in this movie, uh, doing those type of camera moves, and it it makes the movie. I remember when I originally saw this movie. I think I saw it when it first came out. It looks very very different from any other animated movie you've seen. At the same time, you know, it looks like traditional cell animation, but it looks different. And it's not. And it's not. I was going to say it's not just the art, but it's also the setting. This is this is a movie about the cold war and the red menace and you know, the fifties and and, an age that I don't think really resonates with kids who are, you know, when did this movie come out? It was a a 1999, no seven or eight year old boy has any idea about anything about the fifties unless his, his parents are history nuts. You know what I mean? Right. But it resonates for people from the fifties. So it's kind of a shame. Like this is a movie that like, that like missed its audience where, People who lived through that era I think would enjoy this movie but in my experience people who lived through that era are more dismissive of animation uh, movies you know those like ah it's just a kids movie cuz it's like a cartoon or whatever this movie it's a great kids movie and I showed it to my children and they enjoy it but they're they're missing so many levels of this movie I feel like this is a better movie for uh, adults who you don't have to be a baby boomer but maybe baby boomers kids of baby boomers whoever can appreciate animation without uh, you know, at, at all levels without dismissing it because it's animation, because this really is, a, a, you know, it, you could do a live action version of this movie at, with, with a different tone and it would, you know, like, Oh, this is such a serious, important movie in the Oscars. Would, but it, because it's animation, it's like, meh. you know, some silly kids movie, right?
1: Yeah. Well, also the giant robot, but, but no, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think that, uh, although given it came out in 99, I think that given how much fear, um, People felt in you know in the decade that followed that uh, the movie might seem more relevant then. I think everybody was feeling a little comfortable in 1999 and the idea uh, that that you know the people are afraid and the government is afraid and there's paranoia. Uh, only a few years later, that that feeling was back, and I think it had a little maybe more applicability than it did when it was released. Um, yeah,
0: this was a little bit more symmetrical though, because the, the whole business was the Iron Giant being a weapon doesn't become weaponized until he's attacked and that was much more of a cold war analogy yeah. than the terrorism analogy yeah. but it has the similar type of thing of people people living in fear, right the military people uh, you know being so afraid that they're willing to nuke uh, a town on their own soil that type of thing
1: yeah. and, and a kid's movie that actually its plot point is we're gonna drop a bomb on
0: that's the thing like the big the big climactic emotional moment towards the end which lex have you seen this movie am i going to spoil another one
2: uh, it's okay. I have not, but I see it's the only of the three that we've discussed on Instagram. You know,
0: no, Jesus. Well you're the you are the poster boy for I haven't seen movies, so I expect it's that true. from you, but but not Thank from you. Jason. But anyway, the the big emotional moment in this movie for people of our age, I don't know if it's the same moment for kids because I watched them during that scene and I think Jason knows what she I'm talking about, and it wasn't as affecting to them. So that's why I feel so much that like this movie works on so many deeper levels for adults that it's it's like an iceberg. Like the tip of the iceberg that's sticking out of the water is beautiful and interesting and kids love it, but there's this whole other mass underneath the surface that's there for adults. If they're, you know, if they're willing to give this movie a shot and, and yes, you have to kind of like look past the parts that are there just for kids. I don't think it's as successful as a Pixar movie and making sure that every single scene, every single line works for every single member of the audience.
1: Uh, Yeah. 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 But it's, but it's good. It's, it's, it's very good. And, um, there are not a lot of movies that will make me tear up every single time I watch it, and but the Iron Giant does at the end. Yeah, the I- I know. It gets me. It gets awfully dusty in that room every time.
0: They should put that little section, but especially since for the rest of the movie, you're kind of like, yeah, kind of with this movie. You know, it's not like you know something like Up, which starts with a punch in the gut, and you kind of know what you're in for, or even something like Wall-E that starts with like this beautiful, you know, like. this movie kind of suckers you in and then it then then it's just like got you in that you know that little bit and you're like oh you got me again you know because it sneaks up on you
1: yeah yeah really no because it starts out and you're thinking oh this is just another kid's movie it's you know there's a mom and a kid and they're they're hand-drawn animated and it's like every other animated movie that was made in the 80s and 90s before the cgi kind of movies took over and but it's not (laughs) right and then and uh, if you're patient, it, the movie really unfolds. So
0: yeah, and and I think that it's only unfolding for people who are who are older or more yeah. emotionally mature, to, because because otherwise, like, what are you what are you getting worked up about? Like plot wise, what's happening? Fine, but there's.
1: Well, I for don't kids, know. though, it's the boy's adventure of he's out in yeah. the woods and he oh, finds yeah. a mysterious thing. And
0: is there a monster? And... The kids are worried about the boy. Eventually, the kids are worried about the Iron Giant because very quickly you get on the side of the giant. You know, like that. It, for the kids, it's an adventure story. And they are concerned for the, the people they care about being in peril, you know.
2: Right. Yeah, would you say, you know, what, what age is the minimum age for appropriateness here? Because some of these topics like, you know, threatening the nukes and everything else sound a little bit uh, scarier than like a, a five-year-old friendly movie might be. I
0: it all depends on your on your kids. Uh, my kids are more comfortable with this at four or five
2: years my, old. My so. kids, oh,
1: okay. my kids are pretty pretty sensitive, and they were comfortable with this movie
2: at four or five too.
1: Oh, that's great. There's and not I, a lot of menace intention.
2: We'll you know? watch it this week.
1: I think the the nuclear stuff and the all that. I mean, it, it's, there are, there are bad guys with guns and there's some threatening, but it's all abstract and yeah, it's surprisingly not um not worrisome in in a way that some other movies might be. So. I think younger kids will like it because because the, they'll identify with the boy and they'll love the robot.
2: Very cool. All right. Who
1: doesn't love a robot? Yeah, and he's a friendly robot, and it's Vin Diesel. It's the yeah. best. It's like the Vin Diesel. It's the party was born to play. <laughs> oh, Garth.
2: And it, it's um it, like I said, it's the only movie of these three that's available to stream on Netflix. All
1: right. So should we go around really quickly and have another another set, or or just uh, talk about movies that we we should have talked about but didn't? Lex, what do you have? What 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 other movie do you have for us?
2: My my, <laughs> I'm 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 not ashamed of this selection either, although I think it's another unexpected one. And that I, is the I
1: hear some shame creeping into your voice already, though.
2: It is the 1995 Rosie O'Donnell, Demi Moore, Melanie Griffith, Christina Ritchie hit. Now and then. Basically the female Stand By Me. And the reason I pick Now and Then Over Stand By Me is one, I actually think the story in Now and Then is better.
0: Oh, that would have been a good pick, Stand
2: By Me. Okay. And to, well, I, I thought <laughs> I I think it's I think that Stand by Me is skew scary, and I, I'm very sensitive to scary because I have a kid who's very sensitive to scary things. And I think that now and then is overall much less scary. I mean, there's topics that are way over her head, but um, it's I don't know. Now and then is a very sweet movie. I think they did a very nice job casting the adults with kids. You know, they, well, really a nice job casting the kids to resemble and reflect the personalities of the adults.
0: Oh, I, I know this movie. I did not recognize it from the title. Go on.
2: It, yeah, but um, you know, it's it's four childhood friends. You see them as their adults first, and then you go back and see them when they're young. And it's just their lives in the summer of nineteen seventy. And it's I don't know. It's 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 very well done. And basically, if you've seen if you've seen Stand by Me, it's it's kind of that movie. Uh, only it's girls. And um, but and it's there's no know. dead body. There's well, there's uh, there's no dead body. No spoil. You're spoiling
0: I'm more sorry. movies for All right. for Jason.
2: Okay. I haven't seen this movie. Either.
0: Notice how we don't care about spoiling for the audience, but somehow spoiling it for people on the podcast bothers <laughs> me. <laughs>
2: there, there's, the like, audience well, knew what they were getting into, right? There's an intense seance scene. That's the scary oh, okay. part of this movie is the seance scene. Seance. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's very sweet. It's, you know, uh, I, I would say this is a, you know... It's not exactly a tearjerker movie, but the the friendship feels very real. You feel like the girls must have been friends on set if you're watching as an adult. And I don't know, it's there's a lot. You know, the when John was before was talking about how sometimes movies that you appreciated as a kid don't hold up. And um, I don't know, I was I was 15 when it came out, so I, I wasn't so so young. But sometimes I notice in movies that I really liked that the when there's child actors that the acting doesn't hold up that you don't realize how bad, you know, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen were at the time. Uh, but, um, not that they were in this movie, but the, the, the kid yeah. acting really holds up. And I mean, Rita Wilson's in it and she's always really good. I don't know. I really like it. I think it's very sweet and, um, it has nice, the girls learn nice lessons that I like my girls to learn, and I don't know. I think it's very, very sweetly done.
1: Should my ten-year-old daughter watch this movie? I, I think she this should. is kind of
2: young adult
0: almost. I was going to stand by me is definitely young adult, and this—that's
2: true. That's true. This is,
0: this is close to young adult. I guess that still counts as a kid, but I, I, I endorse this movie too. Although I had not remembered that it existed until I pulled up this wow. page, and now I realize yes, I have seen this movie many times, and I endorse this selection even more than
2: Shrek probably. Wow. Thank you. It's it's very sweet. It's a very sweet movie, and it's got Hank's area too. I just remembered him. <laughs>
1: All right. Now and then? Yes. All right. John? I, are, I will
0: continue this theme with, with a movie that I have tried to show my daughter, but my daughter is four and she's not ready for this movie. And there is nothing scary in this movie. Uh, well, maybe for a four-year-old, there's a little scenes of tension. <laughs> but it's one of my favorite movies as an adult, one of my wife's favorite movies. And yes, I'm cheating because it's not actually a movie. It's, I don't know what you want to call it. Is it a mini-series? It's It's many hours. But it's not a television series, and it's—I don't know. Maybe it is a television series. People can tell me what <laughs> it's. It's Anne of Green Gables. Has anyone seen that? The uh,
1: it's a mini series. I'll give it to you. It's it's because it's not a TV series, really. It's a mini series, right? That's yeah, it, play, it plays like a
0: really long movie. Right, and, right. I think that's and, fair. And it's based on the, the Lucy Maud Montgomery books that I've never read, but that my wife has read. Uh, but if there's one set of, you know movies or TV show, whatever that I want, that I think a a young girl would like, obviously older than five, it's these because they're just, it's just a gentle, sweet story about coming of age for a girl. Uh, And it's supposed to, I don't know what year it takes place. It's uh, 1900s, 1905 or whatever. Uh, So things were different back then, but it manages not to be uh, sort of, it manages not to dwell on the difference between gender roles now and then. And has a, a strong female character as the lead, and she comes of age and is you know uh, self possessed, intelligent, competent. Uh, her although there obviously is a romance angle, her, her you know she goes on in the later Anne of Avonlea things to be successful in her professional life, doesn't spend her time uh, worrying about uh, uh, romance and boys and stuff like that. And and uh, but Anne of Green Gables before we get into Anne of Avonlea, when she's kind of, that's more of a young adult. Anna Green Gables has uh, she's an orphan she gets adopted by these these uh, friendly older people and there's some you know things that happen there that that are somewhat dramatic but just it, it's basically like a series of vignettes it's a lot like A Little House on the Prairie which I have a feeling that if I went back and watched I would find doesn't hold up as well as I thought it did my yeah, sister loves a little that's, that's, the that's House my Prairie. fear too yeah but 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 Anna Green Gables and evidently I have seen in my adult life and I really believe they do hold up and I just think they're beautiful sweet little stories and I can't wait until my daughter is old enough to watch them and appreciate them the way I do.
1: Wikipedia agrees with you um referring to it as a TV movie, but it's got a running time of 199 minutes so it was right. generally aired in two, but it sure I think you can call that a very long movie. And it was released theatrical theatrically in Europe, Israel and Japan. So there. It's a there film. You
2: go john yeah. did you watch the, the the 2008 release that wikipedia talks about the fourth in the series Anne of green gables a new beginning
0: i was aware that existed i believe i may have tried to watch a few minutes of it and then <laughs> ran away and discussed similar to never ending story part <laughs> it.
2: but it has this great line on wikipedia the film is both a sequel and a prequel to Sullivan's trilogy i mean that to me mm. is it's because it's
1: it's the never ending story right? <laughs> It just, yeah. Um, no, that's good. That's a great one. I That comes have out of left field. Have you also not seen this one, Jason? I have not seen it. This one, daughter I know daughter. of it.
0: Heart, heartily recommend to your right. daughter. How old is she again? Ten. Uh, maybe she's too mature for it now and we'll find it mm. uh, wimpy and babyish. But I <laughs> give, give it a try. If it sticks, does she like Little House in the Prairie? Does she have any exposure to that?
1: Uh, she's. I think she read a couple of the books. So, yeah. I'll We'll give it a shot. I'll, yeah. I'll report back.
0: And, and try watching it yourself. It's, it's going to seem like it's, I don't know, you ha- you have to have a certain temperament. I, sure. I hate to sound uh, sexist, but it's this, people would say this movie is aimed at girls, but I really like this movie. I'm definitely not a girl, and I, I think it's <laughs> great for boys as well. Uh, but you do have to, we haven't talked about Kiki, but I think there's a certain mindset you have to be in to appreciate this movie as an adult uh, and it's a good mindset to get into. It's not a check your brains at the door mindset. So All give right. it a try yourself. I will. And, and I, your wife.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Um, uh, my second selection. Um, I'm going to. St- I'm going to be a proxy for Monty Ashley, who could not be here tonight. He he,
2: basically he forgot.
1: Shame, shame, Monty. But um, I approve of his and your selection. though. Monty uh, wanted to to talk about this movie, and it was on my list as well, which is the Muppet movie, the original original Muppet movie which is it's a movie with puppets and they're funny and they, they do songs and some of the songs are sweet and some of the songs are wacky and there are celebrity cameos and you know, celebrities from the seventies. Yeah. And there are corny, (laughs) well from the seventies and before. Yeah. Um, And there are corny jokes And, and you know what? I've watched this movie a couple of times with my kids and everybody seems to have a good time. It's just, it's a sweet movie. Um, it's got some some jokes that I probably like more than I should just because I have such fond memories of seeing this movie when I was a kid but um and and of course the moment that as a kid that blew my mind, and I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast is that moment where you see Kermit the Frog riding his bicycle and you see his legs moving, pushing the nice. pedals well, Whoa. That's, a, that's
0: foreshadowing you see it's, Far a, it's a major it's a major Fro- plot point Well in the frog's movie. legs could be exactly. importantly. So, if you had said frog leg, well, Kermit's safe because he doesn't have legs, or at least we've never seen them.
1: Yeah. Well, Charles Derning will have something to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Charles Derning in a fine role as Doc Hopper. Um, there's a giant, you know, one, a giant beaker runs rampant. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's a, it's, and and, it, and it's also got a story within a story, right? Because it ends up that the movie is telling the story of the movie and. It's very confusing. Yeah, um, that
0: was that was a little mind blowing as a kid. I remember that. It was like it's not even like a straightforward framing story. It's like meta story telling you like what's going on here. So this
1: movie is the movie. It, about am I watching this the movie <laughs> or am I watching the movie of the movie or is this the movie of the movie of the movie? It's one of those pictures that's got a picture of itself and it just keeps going infinitely. Um. <laughs> so so anyway, the Muppet movie. Um, uh, what else can you say that? I I, I love it. Uh, the Muppets are are they're they're hard to define they're they're their own thing it's the you know how many puppet movie franchises exist out there oh, but you got the, um the dark I crystal it. which
0: I, which i also could have listed and oh. labyrinth those are the two other ones that i could have right. listed. speaking of puppet movies and jim henson
1: yeah and there there are other good muppet uh fine muppet movies too but the muppet movie i think is and i haven't seen the new one so i can't speak i was to about that. to ask you I should not, watch the old ones to no get chance.
0: the real the real voices.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. That this is the this is your your Jim Henson and Frank Oz and um, right. But the, the, it, that that class. is the
2: challenge with Muppets today is that they all sound like they have head colds at best. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, how do you rank the other Muppet movies? Can you speak to that? Really, because my favorite has always been the Muppets Take Manhattan. But you're going back to the original. The, I feel like the original one is too, like certainly my kids would enjoy that. I, I should show it to them because the Muppets are just inherently funny, but I feel like they wouldn't have a clear understanding of what the heck is happening in the story, especially because, you know, they're watching it at home and not in a movie theater. But when yeah, you see I, the I don't audience think it watching, matters
1: because it's just kind of, you know, a frog and a bear and a Studebaker baker going across the country, <laughs> yeah. having adventures and there's big bird. And then they are in a church for a while. And I mean, it's like a, I mean, it's like a road movie. It's a caper. It's a, a series of unconnected and random events and bare left, right frog.
2: And <laughs> speak, speaking which is of the best all those elements, ever. you know, a road trip and Big Bird and um, unconnected randomness. I will say I wouldn't put it on the, my list of the best, but a very good Muppet friendly movie is um, is follow that bird when Big Bird gets lost and they have to find him again. It's it's really well done. All right. Just throwing that out there.
1: OK, I, to answer your question. Um, in my mind, the Muppet movie is without peer. And then there are many uh, perfectly fine Muppet, uh, productions after that. Um, I, I, have rarely seen a Muppet movie that I didn't find, you know, at least worth my time to watch it because there are things you can find in, and some of them I found to be pretty good. But in my mind, this is the one that's the definitive one.
0: I tried to show this to my kids, uh, and I think the missing they, – they seem not to be engaged by it as much as I thought they would. And I think the main problem is that I grew up watching The Muppet Show every single night it was on. Yes. It was like my, mm-hmm. my ritual, right? And you become so – like so you, I went right from Sesame Street, smooth transition directly into The Muppet Show, which is like on right before my bedtime, right? Right. So I'm so invested in The Muppets, the world of The Muppets, these characters that seeing them in a movie, it's like, you know, wow. And now there's a whole movie of Muppets and it was just – but if you've never seen The Muppets before – which my kids didn't because they hadn't spent a lot of time with Sesame Street and had never seen the Muppet Show at all. It was like, why? Why should I care about these characters? And I guess right. it didn't. It didn't. It didn't hook into them.
1: Yeah, there's a missing context there.
0: When we saw Kermit singing in the swamp, like you know, in the Rainbow Connection and all that, you know, like that, we we already were on board with Kermit. We were on the Kermit train already. Uh, but with my kids, to like, uh, yeah. So what am I? You know, why do I care about this frog?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, no. I think. If you were to plot making your children love the Muppets, you would need to start with the Muppet Show,
0: which is a lot easier to love. Like you know, sketch comedy, like slapstick. You know, right up their alley. Right. Although all the celebrity appearances would again not perhaps have have the you know.
1: I think when you're a kid, I don't I don't think you care, right? It's like well, Luke Skywalker is on there, so they could have those episodes, right, and say it's Luke.
0: Hey, look how young he
1: is. I'm surprised you didn't choose Luke from the Muppet Show in your character draft. <laughs> I, I,
0: I, well, <laughs> uh, not to disparage Mark Hamill's acting ability, but if no, you're going right. to pick one actor from the Star Wars saga, I think you Harrison. have to go with Harrison Ford.
1: I, okay, I, I'll, I'll go with you. He could
0: have been a wash, I guess. Because remember, I was casting.
1: <laughs> right, Firefly. Right. Yeah, I right, got. <laughs> that would have been funny. Uh, before we go, I want to go around and just see. I know we've got some other uh, movies that we didn't mention let's uh not let's stave off some of the angry emails saying why didn't you mention this and mention a few more um Uh, If you've got any any others on your list that you didn't get the chance to talk about, uh, now's your chance to just throw them out there. Lex, what do you have?
2: Well, I I mentioned some of the beginning, but the two that you've done shows about that I really – I haven't shown either to my kids yet, but I'm eager to are the Back to the Future trilogy and The Princess Bride because I like those movies as kids. I like those movies now, and I think they're going to really like them too.
1: My kids like The Princess Bride, and we have watched the first two Back to the Future movies and uh that's gone pretty well those are p those are pg and i I have to point out to my daughter you know yeah they said a bad word there but um you know but we're going through them now they are they are and they are enjoyable my son wants a hoverboard now so mission accomplished
2: you know they exist but the toy the toy lobby won't let him sell them
1: yeah yeah that's what i hear uh john what about you
0: I already threw out the only other two. I had a, a labyrinth and the dark crystal, uh, both of which are also a little bit intense and scary, and are kind of the, the. I don't think dark crystal holds up as well as I thought it would, but again, for because it's so dark and crystally, I guess uh, I like I like exposing my kids to stuff like that when I think they're ready, and labyrinth. I, I like it. It as a good strong female protagonist who isn't so strong in the beginning and finds strength. throughout. It's not as it's not the feminist fairy tale that it really could be, but it's, it's very amusing and also it's a little bit sinister and it's got a kind of a scary David Bowie in there.
1: All right. My third that I, that I um, would like to mention, even though it I wasn't one of my first two selections is babe, a movie about a pig that wow. learns to be a sheepdog. I, uh, you know, I love this movie. It's kid friendly. It's a little scary in the sense that it does mention that people eat animals, but you know, they do. And, and uh, so it's, it needs to be known. James Cromwell, great performance. It is the problem with Babe is that Babe led to a slew of computer graphic enhanced talking animal movies, <laughs> most, if not all, of which are terrible. But Babe itself, I have to say, it is it is like an animated movie. It except it, it is live action with some CG. Um, it is weird and silly and a fairy tale about a pig that learns to herd sheep by talking to them and reasoning with them and asking them nicely if they wouldn't mind being herded. And it's uh, it's adorable. And I just showed this to my son uh, about a month ago, and he got a he got a real kick out of it. So I, I love that movie too.
0: Kids love animal movies.
2: Yeah, You know, it's, it's, you know, you mentioned animals. I I had considered putting chicken run on my list, but I decided it doesn't hold up as well either.
0: Well, Wallace and Gromit, yeah, that whole, that whole, you know, urban animation world I've shown my kids and they really do love it. But a lot of the, I don't know if kids get whimsy. I don't think they do. So so that's right out the window at them. Uh, And a lot of the charm, the British charm, they don't have a cultural context for. And finally, I think a lot of the, a lot of the humor, like, uh, Gromit's, uh, expressions with his eyebrows are expressing feelings that they don't yet relate to yes but, but but they but they enjoy it just on the level of like oh you know there's a little dog and there's slapstick i also showed my kids recently
1: sean the sheep which have, is you on see, netflix streaming i was gonna say have you, have you shown your kids sean the sheep because my kids love love insanely yeah. love sean the sheep which is also Ardman.
0: yeah and that's it's it's basically like a silent movie uh sean the sheep because it's not there's no there's and the animals don't talk they just go about their business and do their little slapstick things. And yeah, they love those.
1: All right. So I think we've reached the end of our time. Uh, but I think given uh, the fact that we had many people <laughs> say they would do this and disappear at the last minute and it was just the three of us, I think we came up with some great selections, things that I have never seen, which actually excites me because I can go and watch those and show those to my kids. Now that I've spoiled uh, them for you. Well, Agreed. I will not be surprised when the horse sinks into the, uh, Don't I-, tell I-, her kids. I won't,
2: I won't be scared either.
1: No. I might have to hold my wife's hand during that part just because I'll be so upset. Why did you show
2: this to our kids?
1: Yeah, what are you doing? I said it's John. John did it. I blame John. And she'll and she'll say, You always blame him for everything. You just stop. It's not possible. Alright. So um This is great. We should probably do this again sometime because there is an endless supply of, uh, and I think for people who are uh, either in that childlike frame of mind, as you said, John, or have kids and are wondering what they should show them, um, I think coming up with suggestions and talking about them a little bit is a lot of fun. So we should do it again sometime um anyway so until our next edition of the incomparable i want to thank everybody for listening i want to thank my guests lex friedman thank you for being here and coming with such interesting and uh delightful suggestions
2: <laughs> thank you always a pleasure
1: i was interested and delighted you see uh <laughs> and john Syracuse. thank you very much for coming as well
0: thanks jason and i hope you remain a child at heart
1: always always and thanks to everybody for listening uh, for The Incomparable, I'm Jason Snow. We'll see you next time.